Well, hello all my fantastic fanatics. This is your man, Dr. Usher, coming at you live with a special guest in my studio. I'm going to introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, the love of my life, the master, <laughs> the woman that controls everything in this household, <laughs> Professor, Professora Floor. Usher, how are you doing today, Miss Floor? Hello. I'm really good. I'm very happy to be here today. You're happy to be here. Well, yes. we're going to see about that once we're done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, ladies and gentlemen, the topic of today that we're going to be dealing with is disappointments, disillusionment, and inconsistencies with the people around you. Because one thing that I've noticed as being a leader, and my wife can attest to this, is that sometimes people are inconsistent, you know. And Flora, uh, before, I, be, before we go deep into this topic, I would like for you to, to share from your experience, you know, because you've been in the ministry with me for the past almost 20 years. Yeah. And you've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And, you you know, there have been people that say, yeah, I want to join or I want to do Bible studies or I want to do this. So give give me some examples. Give, give people some examples of some, some of the inconsistencies that you've seen in the body of Christ. Well, first of all, um, when people approach me, they know know they know that I'm married to a minister, and that we are uh, godly people. So they mention to us, at least our friends, my friends, uh, that they want to do a Bible study or they would like to meet. And I am very excited. The first years of seeing this type of behavior, I was. I got excited. I said, yes, let's do something. Sure, let's plan it. Um, but over time, then I realized that sometimes people just talk. Mm. They just say, they just, and the, the moment, they are excited in the moment. And then over the days pass, days pass. And when I try to reach out to them, hey, remember we, we wanted to do, this or or me together let's do bible studies or or let's just read a, a a book and there was something that happened with these people that they started just kind of just fading away hmm. from from the situation so uh, you you would call them and what would happen well i uh, yes i would start I would try to reach out and then, hey, remember we wanted to do this and, and you were very excited. And then I don't see the positive reaction that I saw before. And at the beginning when they first, we all came up with the idea. And that is something that I started noticing on people's behavior. Because sometimes you are just in a meeting, you are all happy, talking, sharing, and yes, let's do this. But then, Sometimes people just say it. They mm -hmm. don't really mean it. Mm -hmm. And if they meant to do it, they normally follow up. Mm -hmm. They do. But not most. Most of the times I notice they don't. Right. It's just the moment. So how does it make you feel 
when these people come up to you say, oh, Miss Floor, or Pastor Floor, or Professor, what I'm Flora. Professor, Professor Flora, like going, it's Flora. <laughs> How does it make you feel when these people, you know, say they want to do these Bible studies, they want to, you know, get deeper into the Word, and then you call them, and then they, like, ghost you? How does that make you feel? Well, it's kind of like you feel rejected, mm -hmm. uh, because you, they say no, or they start hiding from you. <laughs> they hide from they you. They hide <laughs> from you because then I start chasing them down. Yes, sure, let's do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I start planning, and then I feel like, well, maybe they didn't really mean it. And mm -hmm. I just got super excited every time that people tells me I'm open to it, mm -hmm. and I, I like, I would like to do it and host it. But I realize that sometimes you just need to be careful and yeah. just. Don't get too excited. <laughs> so 20 years after all this happened, and it's been 20 years almost, so how does it impact, how does this happening time and time again, how does that impact you today? Well, today I'm still trying to chase people around. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> I try, yes. Okay. I, I meet somebody that is, is talking about the word and they want to learn more. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I met this lady over the summer, this past summer, mm -hmm. and she was very excited. She was a new believer, mm -hmm. well, kind of new, maybe a year, mm -hmm. um, that she has been learning about the Lord. Mm -hmm. So... Um, she's shared to me, she wanted to continue talking to me um, later on after the summer. This happened over my, my daughter's um, classes. And yeah, sure, we can do that after the summer. But I, the more I started chasing, well, not chasing her, but just reconnecting. Following up. Following up. Yeah. Following up with her. <laughs> yes, and I, I just started sharing, you know, some podcasts from other godly women. Mm -hmm. And I realized she was always making excuses mm. uh, to avoid meeting. And I was like, well, what happened? Where was that excitement? Is it gone? Or, or, or maybe I did something. And, mm. But then I realized, no, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm doing what I think I was supposed to do, which was organize mm. it. And then she finally said, well, my husband uh, doesn't, he works too much. And I don't think I can do it. I only have one day mm. a week. To me, then I go to the do groceries when that happens hmm. by myself. <laughs> wow! So when when as a, as a minister's wife, when people like do that to you, how does it make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel a little bit rejected mm -hmm. and discouraged a little bit too, because it's not easy to find people that wants to meet mm -hmm. and wants to do something for God. Mm -hmm. They want to learn. They want to. Um, just share from other women around. Mm -hmm. So when I find these people and I, I finally say, okay, maybe this is the one, um, something happens. Yeah, you're I kind mean, of skeptical, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't believe it that at the first moment they say it. I kind of not believe it anymore. I just let time pass. Yeah. So now we've worked internationally since the start of this lovely relationship called a marriage. <laughs> Have you noticed any differences between what happens in Mexico versus the attitude that happens in America? Yes. Yes. In America, I think that maybe people are too busy mm -hmm. or they, they busy themselves mm -hmm. too much doing something else. Uh, 
Um, because when we go to Mexico, when we meet the women, it's easier to encourage them. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's easier for me to put them, put a group together and just let them know, hey, let's meet, let's do this, something. Yeah. They have that desire to do it. Maybe because they don't uh, follow that old saying that we Americans do. Mm-hmm. Um, we, how, what is it? We live, we work. In Mexico, we, we work. Live to, we live to work and work to live. <laughs> right. In Mexico, we work to live, mm-hmm. right? And here is you guys live, well, we all live to work. Mm-hmm. But we need to be careful not using that all the time yeah, in America. That's true. Because yeah, because I can I can attest to that. When, when serving in Mexico with the women and the men and families there, it's a lot easier for some reason to get everybody together. And there's a passion about it. It's like I don't have to pull teeth mm-hmm. to call other people and say, "Hey, let's get together." Yeah. My treat, you know, te invito. That's a, that's a key <laughs> word down there. Yeah, te invito. Yeah. Everybody's there in a heartbeat, and it's fun, and you enjoy it. We stay up all night yeah. just enjoying ourselves. But in America, it's the weirdest thing. I I have to admit, you're right. It's like it's hard to get people motivated. But I, like, I think it's also the money issue. Yeah. Because here it's easy to make money, easier yeah. than Mexico. In Mexico or Latino countries, mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, it doesn't matter how many hours you work a day. You can work 12 hours mm-hmm. and you still make pennies. All right. So it's, that doesn't really encourage people to work and spend mm-hmm. time more time at work that's, that's true. necessary that's than true. is necessary. You yes. ain't paying my butt, I ain't staying at work. That's right, yeah. right. But here is like you have that reward. Yeah. The more you work, the more you make, mm-hmm. the more you make, you can buy more things. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a cycle. It is. It's, it's just a, a cycle. cycle. Vicious cycle. And a lot of people are caught in that cycle, wow. which is not healthy. So as we are discussing you know, this, if you're a pastor's wife out there and you listen to this podcast, um, one thing I want to express to you as a, as a pastor, as a leader of a global ministry, and, you know, not to brag, but you know, we're in seven nations and we have a lot of members from different cultures. I think OMI is one of the most broadest, diverse organizations I've ever been a part of. And, um, and I love it. And I noticed that when we are ministering to people in other nations, it's easier, even with the guys in Myanmar, you know, to get them on the phone and to talk with them and minister them. It's just so easy. But here we are in America, you know, and we, you know, people come up to us, oh yeah, I would love to go to a Bible study. I would love to do this. I would love to do that. And I remember, you know, we used to do traditional church services at the theater. You remember those times? Yes, I do. And we would invite people to come. Because mm-hmm. they said, oh, yeah, we would love to do that with you guys. Yeah. And then we do the meetings and nobody show up yeah. with our faithful few. Right. You know, and I'm like, oh, man, it gets kind of discouraging after a while. And it's like, why are we trying to force ministry to happen? When And, and let's be honest, every minister, when you have an event and, and people say they're going to show up and they don't show up, we all feel rejected. Right. And, she's, and this is a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. She feels rejected. And if you're listening... We just want you to know that it's normal yeah. to feel rejected. You're not by yourself. And on top of that, we're an international marriage. You know, I come from an African-American background. My wife comes from a Mexican background. It's yeah. indigenous Mayan background. Right. And so even with that, you know, 
what are some of the illusions that you had about ministry when you were younger? You know, because remember when we were, see guys, when we were younger, you know, before we got married, we were all, my team and other groups would always go to Mexico and Floor would be there translating for those teams. And that's how I met her because she was my translator. But now that you've been in the game, compared to what you thought ministry and missions would be like back then, compared to now, what did you think about ministry and missions back then? Wow. Back then, it was, people made it seem easy. Mm. Uh, very easy. Yeah. Yes, believe in God, trust God. He mm. will provide. He will uh, meet all your needs. Okay, that was easy to say, and mm. I believed it. But what I did not know back then, that the people that I first met that did missions, is that they always had a backup. Mm -hmm. First of all, back then I was a student, a college student. Mm -hmm. And of course I was uh, I wasn't making a lot, actually no money, <laughs> I was a student. But um, these people that encouraged me to follow missions mm -hmm. and, and go into ministry, they were already older people. And what does it, what did it mean back then? They already had their businesses mm -hmm. going in America. They already had their education, they were retired people. Mm -hmm. They had a, a sort of income coming in to help them in missions, in ministry. And yes, God provided for me during that time, even not having the background that they had, even not having the backups that they had. And I saw God's faithfulness during that time. Yes, of course, to a certain level, mm -hmm. but that was not enough when I started my family. Yeah. with with you yeah. it was not the way these people uh, made it seem yeah and it, it became very stressful trying to live up to this false eurocentric way of missions because you know one thing she noticed and i'm pretty sure she's going to talk about is that you know these people were talking about trusting god all the time like they would get these donations in or get why not donate they'll just get money in if oh god provide it and, you know, I remember one one friend of ours, he owned a hotel, another friend owned an AC company. You know, all these missionaries had, you know, businesses. Yeah. And we're thinking that God's doing all this miraculous giving and touching of hearts, when in reality, they're working a business on right. the side. And we didn't see that because we were blinded to it. It's not that they were hiding it. I'm not going to say these missionaries were hiding it. It's just that we were blinded to it. Well, we, in a way, also you don't ask questions. Yes, right. You, you just believe you, God. You just believe God, mm -hmm. and you don't you don't ask these people. How did God provide that for you? Uh, ooh, stop. The question to ask is, how did God provide that for, for you? For you, yeah. See, we don't ask the how questions. Right. We look at the why. We look at what God did, but we don't ask how we, we, God did. We tended to just pray mm -hmm. and just expect from heaven mm -hmm. something to happen something miraculous and then oh i that's what that was my idea oh that's how god provides mm -hmm. but i did not know that god puts in your heart to start doing certain mm -hmm. things to work for the ministry mm -hmm. in, in this case with this other godly men because they were all godly they were my mentors mm -hmm. they already had their plans set up. Yep. But I believe that God put those ideas in their minds and their hearts to work them mm -hmm. for the ministry. I didn't know that. I, yeah, I didn't did. see that. So here we are, you know, that's the beginning of how you saw missions. Now, compared to what the reality is now that you're in America, 
you know, do you see a difference between what you once thought to what it is now? Reality? Yes, yes, of course I do. What, what do you, what, what, I think, what was the most eye-opening thing you learned about real ministry when you got to America? Well, the first thing, like I said, is when I found out that these people, um, they didn't live in in places like in Mexico, mm-hmm. in, in poor areas. Mm-hmm. They were living in nice areas of, of the cities mm-hmm. we visited. And they already had a, a plan. Mm-hmm. They had something that was holding them in order to continue doing the missions. Mm-hmm. That's when I found out. Now in Mexico, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You pretty much pastors and whoever does missions there, they really rely on people's uh, good hearts right. to support them. Initially, yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely. But, you know, there was a game-changing thing that I think we did in 2010 that I think will help some of you young ministers out there or missionaries or people like that. That We, we switched to a different way of doing things. And instead of just leaning totally off support, begging for money all the time, we just converted to the Paulinian strategy of, you know, missions and business, you know, business for missions. And that's when I think we started our internet cafe business. Mm-hmm. We yeah. started computer sales business, computer repair business. I yeah. remember <laughs> that um, I would buy a bunch of computers from America. I'll buy enough to buy a plane ticket to Mexico and back. And we would sell computers in Mexico, and that would pay for our round trip tickets a lot of times. True. And um, and see, we would find ways. Yeah, we would find to, ways to make the trip yeah. happen yeah. instead of just asking people for donations. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, as as a minorities in missions, you don't see the support financially that the white missionaries do. And it's not being racist. It's just this is just how it is sometimes. You always trained our leaders not to be dependent upon American support. Because American support can be fickle. Just like Americans would tell my wife, oh, yeah, let's have a Bible study. Let's, let's go have this meeting, Pastor Rap, and nobody shows up. Well, it happens the same way with you know fundraising and support raising. It's that you know there's a lot of disappointment yeah. <laughs> in the fact that you can't trust everything that people say all the time because you know they leave you hanging. Then they tend to forget. Yeah, they forget. Yeah. yeah, out of sight, out of mind, and mm-hmm. they forget and they don't see you. The kick that we want you guys to hear is that even though we face these disappointments and even though we face these insecurities and instabilities, we stayed faithful and God stayed faithful. And so to close out this particular podcast, you know, I feel like it would be an injustice if we didn't tell you that, you know, my wife pursued her education. True. You know, I already have my degree and I was good to go. My wife pursued her education and she's now a teacher. And so sometimes when you're in the ministry, your wife might be the one providing the stability of the financial support because in ministry, the husband may have windfalls, you know, where there's a lot of money coming in and then there's a season where there's nothing coming in. And that can be stressful on a marriage. I mean, is that not true, Miss Ward? It is, <laughs> yeah, especially in ministry. Yeah, because you know there were there were times where we didn't have enough money for anything, and my wife was we were all focused on doing this the Euro, Eurocentric way, where the husband and wife have to be together in the ministry, struggling and, and struggling and suffering, mm-hmm. and then we just said, why? Yeah, we don't have to do it that way. So 
you know, I released my wife to say, hey, pursue your career, you know, become a teacher if you want to become a teacher. And she did. She became a teacher. And, you know, as we teach. But also, right. also with the understanding that this was going to just be a way mm -hmm. to get some things done, right. not only to rely on donations, right. but also to do something. Just like the, what I told you at the beginning, these people that had their back backup mm -hmm. plans, their backup businesses, jobs, they were retired or something, they had a pension. I thought, yeah, well, why not? Exactly. Why not me? So I had to choose a, a job that would allow me to do missions and would allow us to meet our needs when that um, the ministry was not being uh, met financially. So to me, this was the perfect job because I could use all of my vacation times or days to go and do ministry, not only in America, but also in the, in other countries, which is my main goal, other countries. Right. But it, it was like, a, how do you say, a, a ring in the, when it, in, in Spanish, we have the saying, anillo al dedo. So it's ring, like, ring on the finger, ring on the finger, but I don't know how it's, it be in English. It was like perfect, the perfect, perfect fit, fit yeah. for for our family. Mm -hmm. So every family is different. Yeah. Every family is different. Every family that is in ministry has to find how they work better mm -hmm. financially and and also um, emotionally yeah. because we both have to be happy in the family yeah. doing the ministry. So and if mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. Nobody's happy, I'm right? <laughs> Let mama make some money. So if you want those husbands out there that was that, that was like we were in the beginning stages, oh baby, you're not going to work. Are we going to trust in the Lord? Man, let me tell you something. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Let that woman work if she wants to work. And if you're able to work, if you're able to have a business, do something. Because don't don't get it twisted. Don't think that I'm sitting on my butt waiting on ministry money to come in. I mean, right. oh, my oh no, you work all the time. I work all the all time. The time. I have three businesses that I run. And he I does enjoy. the work only eight hours. He works the yeah. whole entire day, sometimes exactly. three or four in the morning. He's talking to people mm -hmm. and on the other side of the, of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being a businessman, you don't really get a chance to sleep because remember, if you listen to my series about entitlement, you will learn that, you know, there's only one person guaranteed a salary, and that's the one that I employ. <laughs> the business owners are never guaranteed a salary. And so this that's how I live my life. So I always have to work to make sure that the next thing is going to happen. And um, so with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to, number one, be encouraged yeah. that you're not by yourselves. All right. Number two, find out what works for your ministry and your family. Mm -hmm. And don't yeah. be so stubborn that you don't hear your wife, you know, when she's complaining about we don't have enough money or food to eat or whatever, get your butt out and work. Don't be afraid to step out because a lot of guys will just sit there and, and just not do anything. And I don't believe that the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Peter was a fisherman. He not just a fisherman. Yeah. He owned a fleet of ships and boats. And you got to read that in the Bible. So he could actually leave. And their fishermen and his crew would still be able to go out there and do a job and he could still receive benefits from that work. Yeah. You know, Luke was a doctor and, you know, everybody had a job in the profession. They just didn't trust, you know, 100% in, you know, donations. Because even Apostle Paul stated that, you know, even to this day, we are naked and we're homeless and we work with our hands. And people made fun of him for doing that because, oh, if God's so 
big of a blessing. Why do you have to work all the time? Because we're not supposed to use God's money for personal gain. And a lot of you guys, the reason why you're probably in ministry and it's failing is because you're trying to use God's money for personal gain and it doesn't work like that. You can't be like the big TV guy. You know, everybody wants to be like T.D. Jakes or Joel Osteen or Stephen Furtick. But let me be real with you. You know, a lot of them are using ministry money to live a lavish lifestyle. I can tell you right now, the money that I have, and I do have a substantial amount of money, I can honestly say I earned it. I didn't take from the poor. I give to the poor. It's better to give than receive. I'm one of those jokers that will give to those in my circle of need. And that's what I do. And I'm encouraging you guys, if you're hearing this podcast, you know, sit back and pray and see how God can rearrange how you're doing things if it's not working out. You know, you might be part of a, an organization like we were that told you you couldn't work. Well, you might have to leave because that's not God. You might be a part of an organization that says you can only live off support. Well, that may not be God. Leave because it's not in the Bible, you know. So you might be having you, you might have to call me and join OMI. <laughs> I mean, you know, because we allow you to work, we allow you to maintain your ministry status and and, and do ministry, you know, because I just I just cannot put my mind around not working and just waiting on and, things. And to I think that for those single people that single are just people. starting, mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was single mm-hmm. and I wanted to leave everything behind and just do missions with no education well with no education that probably easy but i mean as a single person yeah yeah. and i remember my pastor back then um i asked for advice and i remember him saying what does god is saying to you and i said well god is telling me go to missions full-time 100 percent, leave everything behind Mm -hmm. i was in college back then and he said well what um, what does God say about your parents? Well, he said, honor your father and mother. And I, he asked me, what do what they, what they say? I said, well, they want me to finish school, finish my degree. Well, there you go. There's your answer. God says, honor your father and mother first. Mm-hmm. You don't need, he's not desperate for you to serve him. You don't need to leave everything right. behind. Other, another way um, that he made me think is, how are you going to help? What, how are you going to just use your ministry or start a ministry if you don't have anything to share or give? Yeah. Your knowledge. Yeah. I say, ooh, so that point. There's a lot point. of dummies in the mission field right now. No education, no nothing. They got a lot of faith, but they ain't got a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul had an education. He was trained by Gamaliel or Gamaliel, whatever you want to call him. Paul was trained by another person. He was educated, well-educated. That's what made him one of the best debaters and best orators in the New Testament because he was well-educated, trained by the best himself. And I believe that, you know, if you don't have an education, you need to go back and get one. If you're part of an association that tells you or makes you feel bad or looks down upon you getting an education, you need to get out that association. Yeah. I'm a firm believer. You've got to be educated to do the Word of God, to be in a ministry, to do missions, to do anything for God, because yeah. He doesn't want no dummies. And that's what I noticed with the people, my mentors in missions. They all had degrees. Mm-hmm. They were a doctor. They were teachers. Mm-hmm. They were accountants. They had some kind of education yeah. that they could share. They had a trade or They something. had a trade, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they could help people that way. Yeah. But if you don't have any education, you young people... 
how are you going to be in missions and, and help people? Right. There is nothing that you can give to them but the word of God, which I'm not saying is, is not bad, of course, but also even if you want to share the word of God, mm-hmm. you need education. That's true. You need to go to a, a seminary or, or take courses. Mm-hmm. You need some kind of formal education to share and give, right. and this will Make prosper. Sure you're not teaching crazy doctrine. True. Don't yeah. don't go oh, yeah. for the. We get in that one later. That, that's <laughs> a lot, yeah, that's another <laughs> podcast. Uh, but basically, is Learn something. Yeah. Learn something. It will help you in the future, and it will help other people, and it will help your ministry, too. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think we've come to the end of our podcast. And so what I'd like for you to do now is go to drusher.com, and if you want to donate to this ministry, you're more than welcome to. If not, just pray for us. You know, you can reach us on Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook, and you can go, to, you can just use my handle, Dr. Usher, D-O-C-T-O-R-U-S-H-E-R. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. And um, and if you want to talk to me, you can always send me a text message or call that number, 1-877-JOIN-O-M-I. And <laughs> it'll be routed to me and I can talk to you in person. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I enjoy you guys um, listening to my program. And if you got any topics you want us to address as, you know, a married couple in ministry, shoot me some emails and just let me know. You can reach me at raf, R-A-F, at drusher.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-U-S-H-E-R.com, and let me know what you want me to talk about. I think we've gotten to a point in our marriage where we've been through pretty much everything. I see. <laughs> muchas, muchas. Muchas cosas. Muchas cosas. <laughs> so I appreciate you guys listening. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Bye.